But I appreciate the pastor asking me to preach. And uh, I got to praying about what I was going to preach. And uh, the Lord gave me this. And you know, uh, it's a little bit out of my comfort zone again tonight. This is maybe more of a teaching message than it is one of exhortation, which is typically what the Lord gives me. But I, I don't get mine off the Internet, and I don't get them off somebody else, so all I can give you is what God gives me, right? That's all I can give you. And uh, I texted him after I got to study, and I said, Buddy, I said, this ain't, I can't get all this done, in, not even in two messages. He said, well, have at it. So I said, okay. So it's going to take me at least three messages to preach what God's given me. So we're going to start out tonight with part one. And if you turn to the book of John, twentieth chapter, nineteenth verse. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembling for the fear of the Jews, came Jesus, and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas of the twelve called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, He said, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side. Now, here's where we're coming. This is, this is the, the message. He said, be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Let us pray. O oh God, truly, Lord. We are humbled to be in your presence again tonight. We thank you, God, for just who you are, an almighty God. Lord, see us tonight. See us as your people. See us as this church. Touch us tonight, Lord. Let the word enter into our hearts, Lord, that we may be a believing people. Not a faithless people, but a believing people tonight, God. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' holy name. And everybody said? Uh, 
Part one is believing. 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 I just want you to remember that word, believing. Now, if you don't like this message, you can blame Sister Clay because she's our resident English teacher, and she described what believing was in her Sunday school lesson about two or three, four Sundays ago, and that stuck with me. The definition of believing is to accept something as true. To accept it as true. Now, if you accept something, that means you have to take it, right? You know, Stanley asked me for my Bible, and I read it out, and I said, here, Stanley, here's my Bible. But he didn't accept it. He didn't take it from me. He got absolutely nothing. You see where I'm coming from? So we got to be a taking people tonight. We've got to take what God has given us. You see, we live far beneath our means. We live far beneath the promises of God. For he's promised us many things. Matter of fact, he's done everything that we need in the atonement. We've got to take it tonight. We've got to take the fact that he's going to save our families. We've got to take it tonight that he's going to heal our bodies. We've got to take it tonight that he's going to move in the situations in our life. We've got to take it tonight that he's going to destroy our enemy, that he's going to deliver us out of the hand of our enemy. We have to accept it, and we have to take it. The word believing, the origin of it, comes from a German word meaning trust. It's amazing that believing and trust is so intertwined. But trust is going to be part two of this. So I'm not going to dwell here much on trust. But believing is a verb. And this is what Sister Clay said. Said it denotes action. So God wants a believing people. <laughs> oh, gosh. God wants a believing people that are in action. A believing people that are in action. See, all of this has to happen for you to put your faith in action. See, every one of us in here needs something from the Lord. Amen? When I began to pray about what I was going to preach, this is what was laid upon my heart, is how to help us to receive from the Lord. Every one of us has gotten many things that we would like to see Jesus do. But we're going without so we got to be a believing Christian. we got to be in action. Our faith has to be in action. Let me give you an analogy. Whenever the Holy Ghost convicted you of your sins and you decided you were going to repent and get saved, you got in action. You came up to an altar or you at home got down on your knees. You began to pray. You believed that Jesus Christ forgave you of your sins. You accepted it. You took your salvation. You got up and you knew that you knew that you knew that you were saved. Well, here's my question to you tonight. 
What's the difference with anything else you get down on your knees and ask God for? Hello? Hello? We get down on our knees and, oh, God, oh, God, would you please do it? You hope that he does. Maybe he'll do it. Let me tell you something, friend. He's already done it. He already hung on that cross and died that you might live. He's already hung on that cross and had stripes on his back that you might be made whole. He's already hung on that cross and defeated the enemy of this world. He's already done it. What you got to do is start taking it. You got to start being a believing Christian. You got to start being a Christian that's in action. Let's go to the scriptures. It says they appeared to them. Now listen, you've got to understand that Jesus has been born of the virgin. I'm going to give you the timeline. He's been born of the virgin. He's lived here on this earth. He went through his ministry. He went to the cross and he died. That you might live. Everything we need was done in the atonement. And then he raised himself from the dead. Yeah, he raised his own self from the dead. John said so in chapter 10. He said, Jesus said himself, he said, I have the power to lay down my life. I have the power to pick it up again. This commandment have I received of the Father. So we're not talking about a powerless Jesus. We're not talking about a powerless somebody to believe in. We're talking about somebody that has all power on earth and in heaven. So, after he was raised from the dead sometime between... The third day when he arose from the dead and when he ascended is when this happened. Now, I believe that was 40 days. Is that right? 40 days. I have to ask the pastor. He's the expert. 40 days. So sometime in this 40 days, this happens. And Jesus appeared to his disciples. Now, I want to tell you something. This bunch right here was distraught. They had lost the Son of God. You're talking about people down in the mouth, feeling bad, not being able to get up and just being totally discouraged. Not only that, they were scared. They were scared of the Jews, scared what might happen to them. I can't imagine all the emotions that was running through all of these disciples' minds. It, was, it, 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 was, it wasn't good. They had lost the Son of God. I started thinking, you know, what could I compare that to? And I thought about losing my dad. Because, you know, any time that I needed help or I needed somebody to tell me the right thing to do, I could go to my dad. He, he was gone. Now I, I can't go to him no more. And that's what was happening to the disciples. Jesus was gone, and they were by themselves. But here I want you to know, Satan wants to isolate you tonight. You hear me? He wants to isolate you tonight and tell you you're by yourself. 
Nobody cares. But, friend, I want you to know it's a lie. It's a lie from the pits of hell because you are not alone that Jesus Christ is with you. He said, Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end. And so there he just appeared to them. And then he said, Peace be unto you, my Lord, friend. You know what real peace means? I'll tell you what. Nobody wants to go to heaven more than me. Nobody wants to see Jesus more than me. But I'll tell you this much right now. I would serve Jesus just for the peace that he gives me right here. And if you don't have that peace, it's time you start taking it and being a believing Christian and not a faithless Christian. I was so lonely and discouraged and desperate, but I knew they was a hell, so I couldn't kill myself. But I know now why people commit suicide. But Jesus said, peace be unto you, because they needed it. Well, I'm, what are you trying to say, Brother Rice? He cares for us. He cared how they felt. He cared how his disciples felt. He cares how you feel. The devil will tell you nobody cares. I want you to know it's a lie. Jesus cares. He said, cast all your care upon me. He said, peace be unto you. And then he charged them. He said, the Father has sent me. He said, and I'm going to send you. You notice there's action in that, Stanley? If there's one thing that I have gleaned from doing all this studying is that God does not like people standing still. God does not like people who are not moving. He wants us moving. He wants us doing our part. He wants us to be believers in action. Amen. But he charged them. He charged them to go out and start this church that you now set in. A difficult job because Jesus knew that they were going to be persecuted and he knew that they were going to be executed. What are you trying to say, Brother Rice? Quit whining and quit complaining and get busy. You want your faith to grow? Quit whining and quit complaining and get busy. Because I'm going to tell you something. God likes a busy believer. He likes a believer that's in action. And they started this church that we're in today. It wasn't easy. And then he said he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, i got to preach here just for a minute. Pastor hit on this this morning. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Why do you think 
that he said that. And why do you think he baptized him in the Holy Ghost? I'm going to tell you why. Because they needed to be endued with power. They needed to be endued with power. God knew how difficult it was going to be. Jesus knew how difficult it was going to be. And he knew that they needed to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, I urge you to seek him and to be filled because you will be endued with power from on high, a power like none other else in this world. I mean, this may sound strange, but I've spoken in tongues. I've given out messages. I've interpreted messages. I've prophesied. I've given words of knowledge. God's given me wisdom to make good decisions when I needed them. He's helped me to give people words of knowledge. I've laid hands on the sick, and they've recovered because of Jesus Christ. But that's not why I received the Holy Ghost. That's not why I received the Holy Ghost. Let me say it again. That's not why I received the Holy Ghost. I received the Holy Ghost because the Lord knew I need to be endued with power from on high to do my job and to sustain in this world today. So, he endued them with power. And he charged them, and he sent them out. Now, Thomas wasn't with them at this particular time. When Jesus had appeared unto them the first time, he told them, he said, put your fingers here in, in my hands. Thrust your hands in my side. They had to have some kind of proof before they could be a believing disciple, a believing Christian. It's like the pastor talked about today. Everybody's looking for a sign. You know, everybody's looking for a miracle. Everybody will drive 400 miles to have some evangelist lay hands on them so they can fall out into power. Everybody wants to call somebody special that they got confidence in to pray for them. They're looking for something somewhere. Hey, friend, I want you to know it's right here all the time. All you've got to do is reach out and take it. All you've got to do is be a believing Christian and accept what God's already done. Accept the promises of God into your life. Take them. But Thomas wasn't there. He was gone. Only the ten was 10, wasn't they? Judas was gone. Thomas was gone. They hadn't replaced him yet. There's 10. There's 10 of them there. 10 men. 10 men there. Thomas came back and they said, Hey, we have seen the Lord. Oh, boy. Now we're going to get down to where we start living that. First part of this was exhortation, and now we're going to get down to where we live. He said, Unless... I can put my fingers in his hand and I can thrust my hand in his side. He said, I will not believe. 
I will not believe. I will not believe this generation of churchgoers are looking. People travel from church to church trying to find what they're looking for. They listen from this person to this person to this person trying to find what they're looking for. Friend, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ has already done it. You ain't got to go nowhere special. You ain't got to have nobody special pray for you. All you have to do is lift up the name of Jesus and put your faith in action and be a believing Christian and accept from the Lord and take what he's given you. Her pews are full of Thomases. My wife and I, we go in, we have in deaf conversations sometimes. You know, especially when we travel. And I told her the one thing about revival that was discouraging when I preached revivals all the time is I'd go back to the same place and the same people would be sitting on the same pews, wearing the same clothes, getting prayed for for the same thing one year later and another year later. I mean, I went back to some churches seven and eight times and preached revival. Same people, same pews, same clothes, same problems, same situation. Nothing had ever changed. They had never took nothing. They was not in action. They came in and they sat on their pews like a molehill. Yeah. So then, eight days passed. And Jesus appeared to him again. Supernaturally. I like that word, supernaturally. I think it's a good, that's an adjective, ain't it, Sister Clay, to describe Jesus? I wasn't good at English. Math was my favorite subject. Supernaturally he appeared. He didn't come through no doors. He didn't knock. He just appeared. You see, that's the thing about Jesus. Now he's 100% God. He's not a God-man no more. He's resurrected his own self, and he's 100% God, and he appeared in the midst of them. What did he say? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be there in the midst of them also. What are you trying to say, Brother Rice? He's here. He's here. Just like he appeared to his disciples, he's here tonight. He's in the Mill Creek Church of God. I believe if you could open your spiritual eyes, you could see him walking up and down these aisles, walking through these pews, touching you. Supernaturally. That's the kind of God we're believing in. We're not believing in a dead God. Or a God that somebody created. But alive and a living, a supernatural God. And he just appeared in the midst of them. He told Thomas, he said, hey, here Thomas, take your finger and put it in the holes of my hand. Take your hand 
and thrust it into my side so that you will know that it's me. He had to prove himself. You know, it's always amazed me that people can accept salvation and take it. And you can't convince them otherwise that they're not saved. Yet they can't take everything else that Jesus has given. You know what it's like? We just went through Christmas. It's like having a whole pile of Christmas presents under the tree and just unwrapping one of them. How much sense does that make? That he's provided all this in the atonement and we just leave it under the tree. Leave our healings under the tree. Leave our families under the tree. Leave our problems under the tree. But he said, here, feel in me, Thomas. And Thomas did. I can just, you know, imagine him saying, putting his finger in Jesus' holes. And Thomas said, my Lord, <laughs> my God. My Lord and my God. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus revealed himself to Thomas again that day. Let me tell you this. There's absolutely nothing in this world like Jesus Christ revealing himself to you. That he reveals himself to you that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that he is who he said he was, that he has touched you, and that he has the power to do it. He said, my Lord... And my God, he said, Thomas, he said, here's the message. He said, be not faithless. Be not faithless. You know, Jesus didn't like it that Thomas was faithless. How do you think God felt when he had to prove to somebody that he was who he said he was? After that, he had watched him heal the blind, heal the deaf, heal the lame, heal the leper, heal the lady with the issue of blood, cast out demons, walk on water, feed the multitude, and raise the dead. How do you think Jesus feels when he has to reveal himself to you again when you should already know that he is the Son of the living God, that he has all power on earth and in heaven, that he can do anything that you ask or think, that all you have to do is to accept it and to take it and you leave it. He said, blessed. I'm trying to hurry. I'm even going to cut some of this short because i got three Sunday nights. Maybe even four, maybe. Okay. But be not faithless, but believing. There's that word believing. That's the whole title of this message, believing. See, Jesus wanted Thomas's faith in action. He didn't want him to be faithless but he wanted his faith in action because he knew if Thomas' faith was in action, 
then he could do anything that Thomas needed. But as long as Thomas was faithless, there wasn't nothing he could do for him. The same applies to you. When your faith is in action, then God can do anything for you. But if your faith is not in action, then you can't take it. You can't accept it. You won't be a believing Christian. He said, Thomas, thou been blessed because thou hast seen. <laughs> he said, but blessed are those that believe and have not seen. Blessed are those that believe and have not seen. Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. How much does Jesus like it when you believe and you ain't seen? How much does he like it? He likes it a lot. I'll tell you that much. It's what he wants. When we don't believe, and I'm going to move on, but I've got, to, I, I've got to tell you this. When we don't believe, and we are faithless, and we are not believing, we're not in action, you're actually telling Jesus, I'm not sure if you can do this. I want that to sink into you. When you doubt, and you worry, and you don't accept and you don't take, you're basically telling Jesus, I'm not real sure, Jesus, you can do this. Now, I'm getting right down where you live now. Right down where you live. There's no maybes with Jesus. <laughs> There's not only ifs with Jesus. He is the sure thing. Not one time, not ten times, not a thousand times, not a million times, but every single time you put your faith in action and you are a believing Christian, Jesus Christ will deliver. Now, I'm going to do a little pastoring here. I hope the pastor don't mind too much. But it goes with this, and it, can't, it cannot not be said. Because it summarizes a lot of what we're talking about. I know this is going to feel like the ABCs of being a Christian. But as Brother Sipple used to say, I'm going to stir up y'all's pure mind just a little bit. Y'all remember that, don't you? I'm going to stir up your pure mind. Now, whenever you have your faith in action, and you are a believing Christian then you come to church. You come to church. This is a house of worship. Now I want to ask you a question. How could you believe in somebody and not worship them? How could you believe in somebody and not want to worship them? How could you even call yourself a Christian and not want to come to God's house and worship Him? We're talking about being in action. Now, I understand it. Being ill and your location may keep you from being in church, but if you don't come to church just because you don't come to church, you are not a believing Christian. It's hard. So be it. When I get through with this, I... I'll summarize it and you'll understand why I'm being so hard. 
But you must come to church. The second thing is you have to pray every single day. Prayer is a must. Praying is in action, right? Praying is in action. I'm not talking about now lay me down to sleep prayers or God bless this food prayers. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about having an intimate relationship with the Son of the living God. Talking to Him and giving Him the glory and the praise and the honor that He deserves. If you can't pray to Him, how could you possibly believe in Him? Y'all getting where I'm going now, ain't you? It's very important. I've been listening to Douglas Small. Some of y'all may know who he is. I know the pastor does. The guy's the most awesome guy you've ever heard when it comes to teaching about prayer. Me and Angel listen to him going back and forth to Hilton Head. He has he, 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 he speared my heart. You know, prayer is addictive. It's addictive, you all. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. In the last three years, I have I I I I, I, I can't tell you what's happened to me, but I become totally and completely addicted to praying. I can't go without not praying. I don't feel right if I don't pray. But Jesus wants an intimate relationship with you, and you must pray to have it. Moving on. You're going to have to read that Bible. Reading? Reading is an action. You got me? Reading is an action. Praying, you're talking to God. When you're reading your word, he's speaking to you. How are you going to believe in somebody you won't listen to? Oh, boy. <laughs> How are you going to believe in somebody you won't listen to? When you read his word, he speaks to you. I can't tell you how many times I've been reading his word, and that scripture just basically just slaps me in the face, and I say, oh, God, how could I not know? How can you believe in somebody you won't listen to? I told you this is ABCs, but this is good stuff, you all. I'm going to explain a little more later. Tithing. Uh, I know I'm not the pastor, but it's okay. I've been here 27 years, and I know all of you, and this is not an indictment on our church because we are wonderful tithers here at this church. We tithe better here at this church than any church that I know and any pastor I've ever talked to, percentage-wise. But tithing. See, tithe belongs to God. You don't give tithes. When you receive, you cut the tenth out and you send it to the storehouse. It belongs to God. You didn't give God anything. That belonged to Him. And I got a real question for you. How could you believe in somebody that you rob? How could you believe in somebody that you rob? 
Now, giving is above and beyond tithing, you all. Giving is an action, too. It's putting your faith in action. Giving is putting your faith in action. Giving any offerings, giving to missionaries, giving to the needy. Whatever you else you give, that's extra. Working. <laughs> Working. Every Christian should have a job in the kingdom. Hello? I got a couple of amens anyway. Working is action. Correct? Faith in action. Believing, having your faith in action. God didn't save you for you to come in here and sit down on a pew. God saved you so you could work for Him. Work in His kingdom. Because His Son died for you. Because you're expected to spread the gospel. If you preach, preach. If you teach, teach. If you're a musician, play the instruments. If you're a singer, sing. If you don't have any of those talents and that's not what God's called you to do, cut the grass. Be the handyman. Be a greeter. Feed the kids over in the cafeteria. Count the money. Do something. But don't do nothing because you're part of the kingdom and you have a part and working is a part. Witnessing. And I'm hurrying. I promise you I am. I'm just about to get done. Witnessing. You know, there's a commandment from Jesus to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts and spread this gospel. Witnessing is action. Witnessing, it's action. Y'all understand everything I'm talking about here is action. Believing is action. Putting your faith in action. How could you possibly believe in somebody that you don't want to tell somebody else about? You need to be looking for an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus every single day of your life. I'm going to tell you something. If you come to me and you're complaining, you're going to get a good dose of Jesus because that's the perfect door to step right through. Let me tell you about Jesus. Witnessing. Faith in action. Now, I said all that, and I'm wrapping up. I'm going to wrap it up here. I said all that to say this. When you come up here and pray, there's two things that, that happens because of being in action. One, when you get down to pray, and you've been to church every time the doors is open, you're praying you've got an intimate relationship with God. You're reading His Word every day. You're working in the church. You're tithing. You're witnessing. The devil has absolutely no ammunition against you. He's got an empty gun. His gun's empty. He's got no bullets. But now, if you're not doing that, and your faith's not in action, the second thing that happens is Satan comes and says, you ain't been paying your tithe. You ain't been working in the church. You ain't been praying. You ain't been giving. And here's what happens. Because of your own guilt, you're like Thomas. You're faithless. 
because your guilt will not allow your faith to be in action. It will not allow you to be a believer. You can't exercise your faith and you can't accept and you can't take what God has given because of your own guilt. That's why it's so important for us to be in action. I'm going to summarize it with this little tidbit here that happened to me. And then we're going to have an altar service. Many years ago, I was sitting in this seat right here. Some of you may have heard me tell this. I've been here so long. But I was sitting in this seat right here. And I had preached revival for three or four weeks. I mean, I, had, I was busted. I really was. And I sat down there in that seat that night, and I had a headache. Now, listen, when I got a headache, it's, a, it's really a headache because I was a drunk for 20 years and never had one. You know, my wife has them, and I feel sorry for her, but I never have headaches. Never. And my head was killing me at night. And because I wasn't used to it, it was magnified even more. Amen? My head was killing me. Brother Simple gave the altar call to come up and pray. And I remember I stood right here in this very spot right here. And this is what I said. It took about 10 seconds. I said, God, I said, I've done everything that you've asked me to do, and I need you to heal my head immediately. Immediately, immediately my head quit hurting. It wasn't because I was special, but it was because I put my faith in action, and whenever I needed it from God, I was able to take it. You understand what I'm saying? Stand to your feet.